You're listening to Messages of Infinite Light with Ain Kate Sullivan and Mira by Davy, the show that helps us discover the truth of who we are and imagines where we are going as masterful creators. Welcome, light travelers. This is Ann Kate Sullivan, co-host of Messages of Infinite Light, where we explore different ways to basically, ultimately live in the infinite light, be the infinite light, be in this world and be part of the shift that's happening on this planet. But it's not easy. I, if, you, I, if you look around, there's a, there's a lot going on and a lot of it seems a little insane. So in this episode, one of the things that we're going to get into is insanity versus spiritual health. And this is going to be deep and I think you're going to love it. So my co-host is Mirabai Devi. Uh, we recently created an episode uh, called Women in Self-Realization. You can check it out on superpowerexperts.com slash ILP, uh, Women and Self-Realization. You can find it. There are actually quite a few there now. So if, if this is a topic that turns you on, go check it, go check it out. Um, so today we're attempting to talk about things that are very challenging to talk about. Uh, Everyone wants to talk about love, light, harmony, and bliss, which of course is the ultimate realization, but there's a lot before there. And even if we've had moments where we felt enlightened, you know, usually your karma or something comes back to bite you and you have something you still got to materialize. That's part of of living in this this dual plane. So we're going to get into that too, why it's necessary, what it is to be a uh, spiritual being, having a human experience, and why it's important. Why are we here? I mean, we're here for a reason. Each one of us is a precious pearl, a beautiful, precious pearl. So let's find out about our uniqueness. Let's find about how we can make our direct, direct relationship with the living planet and the living God. You know, we are one, yes, but we're also unique individuals. So I'm going to take a little bit of an ad break, and afterwards, we're going to talk about spiritual health, mental illness, and spiritual awakening. I think Mirabai is going to lead it, and I'll probably have a few things to say about it. Um, We want to really help people, uh, or at least open the conversation of dealing with spiritual awakening in practical ways, and there are not a lot of places if you're having a spiritual awakening to go. You know, So we're going to go into that, like why it's important to form groups, families, friends, communities where people can have these deep conversations and understand that, yes, you are the loving light and you can experience pain and what what's going on there. So uh, you've been listening to, I'm Ann Kate Sullivan, and you can find me on AnnKateSullivan.com. I've got lots of books and things on there, and I've created something called Imaginosophy you can play with. And then you can find Mirabai Devi on www.mirabaidevi.org. There's all kinds of things there. And you can find all sorts of her teachings. And she's been at this for a very long time on a poweroflovecom slash store. So you can just download teachings and just listen to your heart's content. Okay, so we're going to take a very quick ad break. And when we come back, we're going to get into spiritual health. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, Director of Superpower Experts. If you're ready to activate your superpowers and turn your lifetime journey into the journey of a lifetime, go to superpowerexperts.com and get started today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is 
your co-host, Anne Kate Sullivan. You're listening to Messages of Infinite Light. We have lots to listen to, so so go and explore the show. Um, today I'm speaking with my co-host, my co-host. That was interesting. We started turning into something else, but uh, my co-host, Mirabai Devi, about spiritual health. And uh, and also, let's get into a little insanity. That should be fun. So, Mirabai, welcome. Thank you so much, Ayn. And welcome, everybody, to our show. This is a really fun topic. And I'm looking forward to exploring this with you today, Ayn. Um, I think this is one of our conversations that we're letting the world peep in on. Yeah, let's have a conversation about it. So, I mean, I know for myself, when I first, when I was in my 20s, I was having uh, realizations happen. I was having these wild mystical experiences. Luckily, I was in the UK where they have this sort of Celtic tradition of going mad in the forest for seven years. So I was in the right place. But, you know, I went, I went and found a spiritual teacher and told her what was going on because honestly, I was afraid I was schizophrenic. And she said, oh, no, 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 dear. You're actually having a spiritual awakening. <laughs> Glad I met her. <laughs> what would you say to that? <laughs> yeah, I would say that it's a very fine line between spiritual um, awakening and states of consciousness and trying to translate them into the human experience and the human form and the filtering through the human mind and then engaging and relating with others versus mental illness. And there is a fine line there. And I think that it was helpful for you to have a teacher. Um, I did not have an outer teacher um, in the sense that I didn't have anybody who could talk to me personally about my states and my experiences. So I had to figure it out, sift through it, work through it, talk to my guidance and slowly but surely trust my internal inner guidance more and more and more until I understood what was happening to me, how to integrate it, what the path is and what is, what is happening for others. Once I turned around and started teaching and sharing these experiences with others. So the reality is others out there are having a whole blend, a whole mixture of different kinds of experiences. And these experiences range, right? They range from mental illness to spiritual awakening to psychotic states to absolutely being in higher realms of consciousness to the Kundalini being suddenly awakened and firing through the chakras and firing up the spine and moving into the, um, the brain or the mind or the brainstem and taking over our normal everyday waking state of consciousness. And if we have not cleaned the impurities, if we have not processed and released the toxins and purified the body and the mind, if we are on diets that is giving us food allergies, if we are in an unsupportive family environment, um, or we have not been schooled in spirituality, or we've been through some kind of severe trauma that's created uh, shock in the system, um, or tra traumatic states that are suppressed or undealt with or unhealed, that's when the Kundalini will hit 
those particular conditions and the experience will be very, very hard to tell the difference. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. I I was lucky. I think he did this too, to work with Orasoma a little bit, because I feel that understanding colors, it's almost like understanding uh, the music of the spheres, the colors. And I, I taught a lot of workshops uh, so many years ago, actually, on, on the col- using the colors as portals or gateways to, to the soul and ultimately to um, spirit. And what I noticed, uh, not only my own process, but then helping other people do it, is like, let's say we're working with red. And red is great because it's a, it's a really powerful, dynamic, creative, life-affirming energy. Some people say it's related to Christ consciousness. So here it is, this, this huge energy. But what can happen is if, you're, as you said, you haven't, the fires, the green fire hasn't burned through everything inside of you, or you're off track in some way, what can really happen is that you become enraged. I mean, and and I would watch the classes and finally realize that there needs to be space for dynamic meditation. We would make space for people to just yell for a while. And that energy would then clear. And then they would begin to feel their strength, their true strength, the, the true red strength of their true nature. And I think that happens with every single color. Have you had anything like that? Yeah, I I. I can't say that I have had the direct experience of that, but what I can say is that it makes a lot of sense that if somebody is um, having a lot of anger or rage, um, or if they're having a lot of grief and sorrow and sadness or depression or helplessness or despair, um, having some kind of a Kundalini experience or having some kind of a awakening experience uh, might be blended with those intense emotions and might create a wobble of some kind. I would imagine that somebody would go into like a a clear state and then a wobble right after Mm -hmm. that. And so, you know, maybe what you're talking about with the colors or or orosoma, there's so many different tools that can be used to integrate and to ground and to anchor these experiences. Uh, But, but I feel that, you know, a lot of what's happening today, um, Ayn, is that people are not following the protocols. So in the Vedic uh, tradition or the yogic tradition, you would move through many, 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 many years of tapasya, purification, the burning, whether it was the guru burning you and burning your karma, or whether it was hundreds of spiritual practices burning you and burning your karma, or, you know, whether you were doing some kind of self-inquiry process and really looking in deep at, you know, your causal body and your causal level and why you're manifesting what you're manifesting and learning how to take responsibility for your life. I think all of those things are essential to be established as a foundation before going into higher states of consciousness, right? Well, if you can, I mean, I think if you can, if you can, they just they don't have any framework and then they have a spiritual awakening and then they're for for some people they can be a lot of trouble or or they do a drug or something like this so it it, it there's an awakening but it has a dis- distortion in it and so i mean i've been involved in the diamond approach work for 20 years which is 
which is a, a modern self-realization path. Some people like it, some people don't like it. But what I what I personally love about the path is that I, I do it with my husband and um, we have an inquiry practice. So every morning we get together for an hour and we share what's arising and what's arising might be. And then this is part of, I think, becoming sane because it might be because we've had some of the wildest things like, well, today I'm a crystal skull and I'm floating around, you know, it can be that, or, and, or it could be, you know, I've really, I'm really experiencing this hole in my heart and this deep grief because my friend died. And I, I want to really go into this hole in my heart and explore this and, and having somebody hold that space for you can, can really it makes it real somehow, you know, you have this mirror, this reflection and the, and the heart can stay open. And then what's true about what's arising can actually surface. What do you think? I think that basically um, plant medicines and um, psychedelic drugs take people into a direct taste or direct experience of a higher state of consciousness and a lot of what people describe in enlightened stages or samadhi stages are being induced by um by drugs or by um, plant medicines and i think that when people are having that state they're not able to sustain it or hold it because it's just a temporary taste and i think it's beneficial in the, in one way in the sense that it um, helps people at least have a taste of knowing what they're working towards, but it can be de detrimental in another way, just in the sense that it would blow so many holes into the aura, into the auric field, mm. that one wouldn't be as protected or one wouldn't have the the um, snug, tight fit, you know, um, the aura that's protected is what I'm trying to say. So I, I just think that that opens one up to negative entities or energies and eventually, um, if one does it too many times, it can become, um, I think it can ultimately become dangerous because of the amount of, um, you can become a portal that's open to other realms and not all of them are light worlds or worlds of light. So I think the experience, um, the experience for me and what I feel is that it's better for people to build a really strong and solid foundation if they can. Um, you know, that means uh, study with a teacher, uh, work with uh, well-recommended, um, stable, grounded uh, spiritual teachers that, that know the path, that can walk you through a journey, that can teach you um, age-old traditions that will help you to ground into the knowledge and develop your vehicle um, and develop your spine and your chakras to be ready to handle these high voltages of light energy that come through you once you are exposed to that kind of a shakti part or or a transmission or whatever you want to call it, right? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I I want to point out something here that I think I think is necessary if we're talking about spiritual health because in all the traditions that I've studied, 
there's um there's a recognition that we have, I mean, from a psychological perspective, we have an ego and we need an ego to be functional in this world. We don't want to get rid of the ego. It's it's here so that we can we can be of service on, on this plane. But it can it can create itself, it can become an obstacle. But if we polish this, this is what I find inquiry does. Like we're with our per, our our special other or a friend or a community, a group. I'm more and more I'm involved in in groups of up to gosh, 800 people who are in, inquiring into uh, you know states of consciousness. So what's happening is I think when we inquire together, we start to become the precious pearl. So the ego actually um, is metabolized and and then and then our functionality becomes great because what's happening is true nature or the divine the source is operating through us and there's not so much in the way but like you said this probably takes 20 years uh, it's not it's you know i know everybody wants to snap their fingers and be there and you might you might you might go to you know you might have this experience for a moment but what really matters right now i feel is that we've metabolized enough with our friends, with these kind of conversations, with these ongoing development of spiritual communities, that we are the light living on the earth. This is the next step. This is the this is the shift in the, the new earth. What would you say? The awakened light living on the earth. Mm. Um, the way that I see it is that <clears throat> humans' crown chakras are closed off to their God consciousness. It's like... Um, uh, Lisa Renee talks about the quarantine fence around the earth and we have a quarantine fence around us as humans that we've we've shut off our God consciousness. We've shut off our access to to the Godhead, to the higher states of consciousness. We've forgotten who we are. And I always talk about it in my lectures and stuff around the world as we are unplugged. We have become unplugged. We're not plugged into the source of our own inner divine self, our own inner divine wellspring, our own inner divine knowledge. And so what happens is that because humans have been disconnected for so long that when you talked about the, the inquiry and the experience of the self and the experience of you know, inquiring into the different states of consciousness, what I see there is it's like we're giving a language, we're giving a permission slip to remove that quarantine fence, which mm -hmm. in a way you could call it the ego, you can call it a microchip, you can call it a deliberate implant, whatever you want to call it or see it as. Um, we have shut ourselves off from the divine or we have been shut off from the divine, depending on your perspective and your philosophy. Either way, that has to be worked on to be removed consciously. And then once we have that awakening experience, this brings me into another subject. And that is whenever somebody awakens to their God self within, there's always that experience of oneness, that I am the one, I am the everything, I am the all that is. There is only one. There is no duality. There is no other. There is no realms. There is no dimensions. There is no past lives. There are no gods. There are no goddesses. There's only one being experiencing itself. Uh, Ekam Brahma, I am Brahma, Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahma, right? I'm the living experience of Brahma. And it's that it's that consciousness knowing itself through the myriads of forms of itself, right? That it manifests to know itself. But what happens is the ego takes it. And then the ego says, I'm better than everybody else because I've realized this. 
And therefore I am, you know, more enlightened than another, or I'm more special than another, or I'm more awakened than another. And the reality is we are all that, right? All souls are that. All souls are the different hands and feet and parts, body parts of this one organism of God, of the self. Mm-hmm. And all have to awaken and realize the self. All have to work together ultimately for the totality to be liberated and freed. So I think that there's a phase where um, we have to work consciously with the ego and the personality to understand that, you know, everybody's special and everybody is the one and everybody is an incarnation of God and everybody is somewhere in their process of awakening, whether they're very, very asleep or just a little bit asleep or whether they're awakening. So I think it's important to look at how even awakening, uh, sudden awakening can appear a little psychotic at times. I have a question for you. So, so why is it that, you know, a lot of times people have a big spiritual awakening. I've heard this a lot and suddenly they think they're Jesus or they think they're Buddha or they think they're some kind of uh, major avatar. And I think a lot of mental wards are, are full of these people. So, so. What's the difference? So everybody is Jesus. Everybody is Buddha. Everybody is Krishna in their soul. Mm -hmm. On the lower levels, we're not because we're not that. First of all, at one level, we're all one. But at another level, we have our own individual, unique uh, persona, mission, dharma, and goal. And um, most people are very far, very far removed from the purity Um, and the essence of a divine incarnation in form where there is no karma or residue or imprint or some scar, right? So I think that what happens is that um, your question was in, your question was mental institutions are filled with these people and people think that. And the reason they think that is because the only experience they've had is of Jesus. Jesus is my God. Krishna, Krishna is my God you know, whatever, whatever it is. And that's because in, it's like they say with children, when, when children die and they have, um, or excuse me, when children have near death experiences in hospital and they go to, through the tunnel of light, who do they see on the other side? They see, you know, power rangers, right? They see power <laughs> rangers on the other side. They, they'll see whatever video games they play. That's what'll show up. Right. So right. it's whatever people perceive. So that's why I'm saying, ultimately in the ultimate sense of the word that's their version of god and yet god has infinite numbers of faces and facets and so whatever people realize themselves they're just identifying or tagging that form of god that they relate with and now they are it right they think they are it mm-hmm. instead of i'm one with god i'm one with the self i am the all that is i am in unity consciousness they don't have a label they don't have a language they don't have a support structure. They don't understand what the heck is happening to them. And in our culture, where do we have support structures for that? Where do we have community for that? Where can people be held and groomed through an experience like that? Well, you know, you're part of a school where they do do that. And that's wonderful that you found that school. But most of humanity is out there trying to figure it out themselves on their own, the ones that are having the awakenings anyway. Yeah, it's really true. Uh, gosh, it's so, so, okay. So back to, to mental health, because here we are at a, at a 
place, uh, unfortunately, on the planet where I think the suicide rate is up 65%. People are really experiencing a lot of depression. People are taking drugs. They're finding alcohol. They're, you know, they're, they have these holes that can't be filled. And so they're looking for something outside of themselves to fill a hole that can never be filled with an outside substance. But what would you say to, to the person who, like the, let's say the enlightenment drive just kicked in. And uh, meanwhile, they're, they're really struggling. What would be the next step for this person? So I would say that the, if the enlightenment drive kicks in and they're, they're focused on that path, I think it's really important to get connected with a spiritual teacher or a spiritual sh- tradition. And it doesn't have to be like an ancient wisdom teaching. Um, it's just reaching out to people you trust people you see are stable and learning how to integrate your experience of awakening in a very grounded way, in a way that you're not like losing your mind or you're not thinking you're losing your mind because when people awaken, they think they're losing their mind and they think they're going crazy and they think they're going to be locked up and they do feel very alone and very frightened and it's terrifying, right? Because you can't, tell whether you're being possessed by a dark entity. You can't tell whether you're in God consciousness. You can't tell whether you're having a psychotic break. It all kind of looks a little bit mixed up together. So that's why having an outside, reliable, stable um, teacher and guide is so essential that can walk you through step-by-step and help you to reflect and learn and understand and dissect and integrate. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that we need, I mean, if nothing else, if you can't even find a spiritual teacher, I mean, people can come to you, but if if for some reason they don't have access to a spiritual teacher, you can also find a really good friend who's just a really authentic person to to reflect back and forth with. I mean, this, this is something that can happen. Right. And, you know, when you have a spiritual awakening, you might lose your mind. I think that's actually part of the deal because... <laughs> As far as I understand, God doesn't have any belief systems. So what is it What is it like to suddenly operate without a belief system? I think that's why the ego can get really spun. But, but you need that holding. It's like that, like a midwife holding you till you go, you're right. The, the ego, the, the dualistic ego perceptions of, of this historic self that have just fallen away aren't real. But let me hold you as you discover what is real. Would you say something about that? Yeah, I think that just just being held to discover what is real is actually, you know, if we had friends, if we had partners in friendship, even in small circles, whether they're women's groups or men's groups or um, just uh, inner listening partners where we can do self-inquiry together and be held in that manner to explore the awakening and the parts. I think that the non-judgmental, um, c- compassionate, unconditional container would create the same effect in a sense, just because we'd be able to be held through the process and walk through it. Even if we couldn't find a spiritual teacher to get to, to help us evolve further, we'd still be evolving in our own capacity through integrating it. And, and again, some of these experiences are, are so huge. We really do need to be finding a spiritual teacher and guide because 
even a regular person wouldn't be able to guide us through that, but could at least listen and help us inquire. Um, but the fear, the fear is the issue, right? I think it's the fear of what I said before that is important to be able to um, separate out what is real, like you said, and what is false, and then drop the fear because the fear is what makes people, I think, go more into more and more into like the psychotic aspect of it. Yeah, I'd like to add to that. I think it's sometimes when people say drop the fear, it's kind of difficult to do, but I think we can't, if we understand the fear, like, like one thing that, that JP and I would do together would go, I would say, oh, I feel really anxious about blah, 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 something. Um, uh, and he would say, well, where's that anxiety in your body? Oh, well, it's actually in my solar plexus. Well, so why why are you feeling a tightening? And would that be connected to the ego or would that be connected to you as an essential person? Well, clearly, anytime you have a contraction, it's going to be a it's going to be connected to the ego. Fear, anxiety, basically any negative state of emotion is going to be connected to egoic limited perception. But to just drop it's really hard to do, but to go in and go, oh, why am I experiencing this? Oh, well, that's because um, when I was four, I went out and gave this talk and people laughed at me. And so I'm feeling anxious. I'm afraid this pattern's going to be repeated again. And then as soon as I say that, it's like, oh gosh, I can take a deep breath. And instead of the anxiety and the fear being there, I'm feeling more like, you know, warm belly and I'm feeling more connected to my, my essential self, my pearly self. And it's like, Oh, I'm okay. Uh, I, I can go on with this. I mean, that's a, that's a, a very light example. I think if, if there, somebody has had a very serious trauma that um, they're nigh impossible to work through unless you find a spiritual teacher or a really switched on union analyst or psychologist or trauma therapist or somebody or diamond heart person. I mean, people can are very are trained to work through trauma layers. But I would say I, I believe that the main structure that prevents us from living in a state of self-realization all the time is something Byron Brown wrote about in a very brilliant book called Soul Without Shame. And basically it's our superego, our inner critic. It's the part of us that feel that will that that makes us contract, that shuts us down, that makes us believe that we're limited and we're small. But when we start, when we bring our consciousness into that and we go, oh, I'm contracting, oh, I'm in my unreal self, oh, I'm expanding, and we're moving into states of love, different, different states of love that keep going out into more and more increasingly boundless directions. Ah, then there's something else to explore. There's an essential, there are realms and realms of realms of spiritual states to explore. But I, they all seem to be interwoven and every single one, whether it's grief and sorrow, whether it's samadhi, they seem really important. What would you say to that? Yeah, um, honestly, I was thinking as you were saying that, I was thinking about how would a psychiatrist know the difference between a psychotic state between hearing voices, between um, having visions, between uh, delusion, between, um, you know, seeing and hearing angels, between um, communicating with ultra terrestrials or extraterrestrials, I think that would be a very challenging thing for somebody who had knowledge. Um, I would love to see a world where psychiatrists were highly, highly, highly trained in um, advanced metaphysics and the the spiritual worlds and realms and the type of beings that exist and 
understand the fragmentation of the mind and how um, to discern between one and the other, and especially if there's a blend of both going on. Um, I think that there's a role for psychiatric drugs when somebody is having severe, absolutely 100% there's a role for it, and it's essential um, in, in certain conditions where people just cannot function in their lives or in their family or in their community any other way. Um, and yet I know it's very sad because it blocks out emotions and it blocks out feelings and, and people go, you know, get very numb or very tired or very dense and it's hard to feel or be fully alive. And that, that makes me sad. Um, but, you know, I wonder if there would be a way, uh, and I know there are ways, but like the, you know, I, I won't get into it now because we're, I know we're out of time, but maybe we can do a show on some of the ways to heal mental illness and um, some of the ways that that can happen. I'm not suggesting people get off their drugs. I'm not suggesting they shouldn't take the drugs. I'm just saying that there are other ways that can be added in addition to actually heal the cause um, mm-hmm. rather than just medicating only as an, as a course alone. Um, so I'm, I'm ex- suggesting an and, um, and then ultimately, if someone is truly healed to a point where it's permanently stable, if that is possible, that's a nice goal to move towards. I think, especially for all of you out there that are on, you know, antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds and and antipsychotics and so forth, and even now they're putting children on these kinds of medications where they can barely function. They're they're drugged up. They're drugging our elders. Our elders are in nursing homes and and in rehabilitation centers and in in, in inner residences and so forth where they're retirement villages and so forth. A lot of the nursing homes, they drug the elders. And I just want to see us find new solutions for our humanity because some of these paths, I think, are very old school and and cruel and cruel. So um, I think we're out of time for today. So, um, Anne, I'm going to hand that back over to you because our time is up. But what a fascinating conversation. Yeah, really, really wonderful. And we can continue this. I, I think, you know, finding solutions for, yeah, supporting people as you go through an awakening or, or just finding mental balance and sanity and health, finding sanity in an insane world. How about that? So, yes. Right. For all of us. <laughs> For, for all of us, for yes. all of us, because yeah, I mean, hearing some of these stories, it may, you know, I, I, I feel like bursting into tears right now because it, it seems like when we, when we separate ourselves out, which the ego likes to do, but when we separate ourselves out, that's, I think that's connected to the insanity. And as soon as we start to connect with our heart and with love and the, the living landscape that we live in, that's why nature's so good for people just walking outside, you know, it, it just making, making a connection with a pet. You know, any of these things I think can be a, a step toward healing, but this, this is a, a bigger conversation. I know we're out of time and I, people can go to you where, where, give us your website. That is www.mirabydavy.org and also apoweroflove.com forward slash store. Again, that's www.apoweroflove.com dot com forward slash store. And Ayn, did you share how people can reach you? Yeah, people can find me on AynnKateSullivan.com. I go a little more into the Druidry background, um, which was, which is, anyway, I can talk about that. I I talk about it all the time on Wisdom of the Ages. So you can go find me on, on that podcast. 
But I've also presented something new recently, which people might be into. It's uh, You can find it on imaginosophy.com. It's basically imagining the wisdom field. This is learning. It's a game to help you understand or help each one of us understand how to tap into this field of wisdom that we are immersed in all the time we just have forgotten. So I, I'm going to talk a bit more and more about imaginosophy as we, as we carry on. So but thank you, Mirabai, for joining in. I know you've got to you got to head off. But, and thank you to everyone else who has engaged this conversation. Who's like, yes, they're you know, I'm I'm at least interested in spiritual awakening, or I'm I'm in some some place, and you know, realizing that I'm a mystic and that there's something to this world, and that I am this sort of eternal being that's having a very interesting experience right now. So I love all of you. My heart just goes to everyone. I want to connect with all of you right now in this moment with boundless love. Mirabai, you want to add to that? Love you all. God bless you. Thank you so much for inviting me to do this with you today, Ayn. I love being your co-host and another incredible um, dialogue and interesting subject and so much more to be uncovered. Thank you again, every everybody and Ayn. All right. Thank you. Many blessings. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.